Welcome back, everybody, uh, to the Noted Podcast. It's your boy, uh, Brian Corzo, and we got uh, Riker Gordon and Carson Hilton over here. We're super excited uh, to come back with another episode of Consistency that we're surely going to probably ruin next week. <laughs> but um, no, but we love we love basketball. We love watching. We're going to watch it anyway, right? So thing we want to talk about is round two. Round two has been super exciting. Uh, we have four different matchups to, to talk about, and we're going to give our predictions, uh, how we think it's going to end, and uh, some insights on some of the players that have been really performing well um, and stuff like that. So we're going to start it off with what I think has been a very surprising series uh, in Miami Heat and the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, currently at a 2-2 clip. Uh, now it's going to be a best of three. Obviously, with um, Miami having that advantage at home, what do you guys think? Who's going to take it? Oh, that's hard. <sighs> it's It's been a, a really good series. I I thought Philly, like every, everyone else, was in a little bit of trouble when they lost the first two. And I was like, even like even though they didn't have Embiid, being down 0-2 is never a good spot to be in, but... Embiid came back and they and they uh I don't know. I'm just very impressed. Uh I think now that they have Embiid back, it'll be really hard. Like they just had the best player in the series and that's usually a really it, it matters a lot in the playoffs. You could argue they have the two best. I mean, depending on where you want to put Jimmy Butler, but regardless, I think Philly probably takes it, but I don't know. Miami's not going to go down quietly. Yeah, I I don't even know if I can confidently put my faith in one team at this point. Um, I didn't have a ton of faith with the 76ers going into it, especially with that Embiid injury, but they've they've hung in there. Um, James Harden played the best he's played in a very long time as well. Um, so if they can get the best out of James Harden and Joel Embiid, uh, I think the the Heat will have their hands full. That being said, I don't know if that's going to be possible. The Heat have been very dominant, dominant, like kind of closing the season. So it's just too hard for me. Just too hard for me to really put a prediction on it. If I go with my gut, I think I give it to the Heat in seven. Right, they still have home court advantage, so yeah. Philly does have to win in Miami, right? Which think... they haven't done yet, but we'll see. Nope. One thing that's really weird, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Uh, but the three DNPs uh, from Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's interesting. It's it's crazy. I that's a really. That's if you're Miami, that's not a good sign. If you no. if you want a title run, you need all of your guys to play well. And if your best shooter isn't shooting well, that's not a great sign. Just goes to show how Spolstra is not afraid to do what it takes and make changes. He, he he'll play yeah. if you're not playing well. Crazy. It's weird. Um, it's been interesting, especially with the whole drama behind Embiid in Game Three, uh, since he was like technically marked out, and then he's like, "Psych, nope." And uh, Philly actually got fined <laughs> for it. But the face mask. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think one of the one of the shout outs to make 
um, I think definitely has to go to Tyrese Maxey. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, that, that's his name, right? Yeah, yes. Tyrese Maxey. I'm yep, thinking about Tyrese right. Tybel as well. <laughs> so <laughs> they're, so, they're so similar. But yes. Tyrese actually looking like a young Jimmy. I don't know. I don't know if you guys like have seen that, but it's cra- it's crazy to think about all these like incredible young players that like nobody really like talks about that much, but we we know they're there, and just to think like this guy's so young, and he's like carrying such a major load for the team. You know what I mean? Um, that's been really cool. Uh, congratulations to Tyler Hero on a what should have been a unanimous uh, six man of the year campaign. I don't know why anybody else got votes. But, great question um I, I don't know it it was really interesting to see vintage james harden uh in game four uh which was really interesting and mm-hmm. i mean if he continues that pace yeah. i don't know i'd probably say okay. my money right now is probably on philly philly and seven that's my guess it is a it's a anyone can take it to be honest but yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, if James sure. Harden can perform like old James Harden and stop being this like old has been. Yeah, it's, it it's is said that in over, the places where happens. the strip clubs are very high quality that he always plays <laughs> worse. So, and there's two games in Miami, so we'll see what happens there. <laughs> Hard hitting well, analytics here for you. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So next up, um, we got what's been a very very exciting series uh and what a lot of people did not expect to be this close which is phoenix and dallas currently at a 2-2 um and of course we got our major villains uh, in play the fan wearing the luka Doncic shirt who put his hands on uh chris paul's mom uh but did not want to put hands on chris paul so (laughs) uh, apparently that fan has been banned uh for an entire year uh, at the stadium but let's talk brass tacks. How is Dallas even making it out? Because with those two first games, Phoenix blew them out of the water. It was so it was crazy, right? Yep. Chris Paul just showing like that he, I want to win a championship finally. And then Chris Paul gets into foul trouble in Game Four. Like it was just a really like, oh, man, crazy series like. Is this is this just a fluke from Dallas that they won these two games at home, or what are you guys thinking here? I think um, we just I think we just it's time to accept that Dallas is just good. I think for you know the first half of the season it was like oh they're struggling and then they do the trade and then they start playing well and people you know are like oh are they just you know how's Jason Kidd doing? Are they playing well? And then they beat the Jazz, and it's that's Thorland is kind of like, it was a nice win, but the Jazz are kind of fumbling. You know, they're not great. I think at this point, Dallas is just good. Um, I, I also think it Jason Kidd deserves a lot of credit for how he's coached in the postseason, especially. Um, he's been willing to make pretty substantial changes in between games. Um and I think, like, regardless if they pull off this upset, like, they're in a good spot. They don't even have Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, he's been out for however long now. That that um, Chris Dots Porzingis trade has just worked out so well. Uh, I wouldn't, like, I, okay, I would be surprised if 
They pulled off the upset, but before the series, I thought there was absolutely no chance. I thought they would get swept. At this point, I'm like, if they pull it off, like, that's that wouldn't be like crazy surprising. Yeah, I I think uh, I think this one definitely plays into the home court advantage uh, a little bit more than per se the the Philly and the Miami series. Um, their def- the Dallas Mavericks defense has been really good at home and really not good away, obviously. I mean, they got blown out. But I, I think that really does have to do with momentum swings involving fans. Um, that Dallas crowd has really showed up this playoffs, which is it's good to see. Um, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think the Mavericks pull it off. Uh, I think they go back into Phoenix. And honestly, I think Phoenix wins the next two when it's over, but uh, yeah, it's, it is a good. Likely. It's it is a good thing to see that Dallas is no longer just that team good enough to make the playoffs. That they're actually making some some noise this time. So that's good. Totally. Um, one thing that I found very interesting um, in this last game, I feel like Dallas really depended on Dorian Finney-Smith's like performance like he kind of just super balled out it's gonna take that from uh from a not Luka Doncic player to really pop off right Jalen Brunson will get his Luka will get his but who else is going to put in right because that's the only way you're going to be able to beat Devin Booker and Chris Paul so I agree with you Riker though I think Suns and Six as well but it's been really cool to see Dallas uh, just perform super well I just feel like beating the Jazz wasn't really like a a testimonial of <laughs> you know actually being a good team, kind of like with the yeah. same things that Carson said. Just the fact right. that we were we were broken already. <laughs> so anyway, mm. good good series. Um, I think moving on to the next series, it's probably my favorite series of the um, West or the conference semifinals so far, which is Boston Milwaukee. Uh, currently tied up. Um, after today at a 2-2 clip, um, which I also believe that in Game 3, Celtics definitely got screwed after uh, they did not call a shooting foul on Marcus Smart outside of the perimeter uh, to give him the three free throws. Now, hearsay, you know, maybe he misses one of those free throws if they actually call it, but that should have been called. That's a big mistake from the NBA because um, he was in the motion of shooting even towards the yeah. basket like... I don't know how that wasn't called. Regardless, it has been so back and forth, and I feel like out of all of the series, this is the most unpredictable one, and I think the mm-hmm. best two opponents against each other of any other series. What do you guys yeah. think? Couldn't agree more. I, uh, I'm i honestly shocked that it's uh, as tight as it is with uh, Robert Williams being injured. I didn't, I didn't think Boston uh, had a chance, but They've done what they've done the last half of the season, just overperformed, done really well. And I did not think the Celtics had a chance at winning this game for, but they did. And with that, man, I, I have a hard time not <laughs> not seeing the Celtics win this series, especially if Robert Williams comes out. I mean, just the defense that uh, Milwaukee just froze in the fourth quarter, like, oh, crazy. And that was even with some like heroic antics. Uh, oh yeah. That I don't know if you remember seeing that crazy lob that uh, 
oh my god, what is his name? Drew Holiday that he uh, lobbed up over to <laughs> Brooke Lopez just out of nowhere. Like <laughs> they were they were just making miracles out there, but it was so stifling to just see Jason Tatum back and forth and back and forth. Not to oh, mention yeah. uh, career playoff high from Al Horford. Uh, the vet yeah. has been so exciting. He ain't dead yet. He's not dead yet. Yeah, the the resurgence of Al Horford, I'll say it. I was not expecting it. No. I was in the camp like, oh, his his NBA days are numbered, especially after that he went to OKC. It's like, oh, this is just where his career goes to die. But nah, he's uh, really, you know, brought his career back. But I will say, I, I think this, this Celtics-Buck series is – the quote-unquote true Eastern Conference Finals. Like, whoever wins yeah, this absolutely. definitely goes to the finals. Like, they're the, best, yeah. they're the best two teams in the East. Like, no disrespect to, to Philly or uh, Miami. They're both good. But these two are just – they're just better. And it really sucks for Milwaukee to not have Chris Middleton in this series. I think he gives them a lot of length and defensive versatility that now – like, they still have Drew Holiday and Giannis, so – I think as a Bucks fan, you should still be able to expect them to defend better, but still not having that like valuable piece does hurt them a significant amount on both sides of the ball. Um, but regardless, like Celtics, it's really it's just a bizarre. I've never seen anything like it where a team was just what like the twelfth or eleventh seed in <laughs> December. They were just awful. It was like. They were, it's crazy to think back at, like, as a Jazz fan at the trade deadline, they were like, oh, Jordan Clarkson for Marcus Smart was, like, a legitimate thing that could have happened. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Oh, the man. the I've never seen a turnaround like this. Like, and it's really fun to watch. Big glow up. Uh, mm. Big props to Ime Udoka, man. Uh, it is so exciting just to see him, like, he just cares so much. And it's such a difference from Brad Stevens, you know? That was probably the best thing Brad Stevens could have ever done is get a promotion. <laughs> get out yeah. of that head coaching position. It was just, you wouldn't have thought that at the first season. It's crazy. Uh-huh. I just, my my prayer, like, I want it so bad. I want the Celtics to make the finals because I feel like that would be such a testament to the grit of their team. You know what I mean? Just people who nobody believed in. Every single time people talked about the Celtics, they were always... You got to split up Jason. You got to split up Jalen. I'm pretty sure I, I even said that on this podcast, mm-hmm. right? Because they can't play together, blah, 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 blah. And now look, now they can play together. Now they're both efficient. And now everybody on their team, especially their young guys, are performing well, you know? Total turnaround. So I think that would be a great story. I still think it's going to be Buck Suns. But with Chris Middleton out, I would put money on Celtics game seven. That's that's what yeah. I'm calling. Just because yes. Chris Middleton's out. I mean, Celtics still have home court advantage, right? They're the they're the higher seed, so yeah. it's up to to the to Milwaukee to steal one in in Boston. They have to do it. Yeah, they might have Again. to steal two, like yeah. you know, and they have to keep like it's it's much it's a, the Bucks. Even though it's tied, the Bucks are on high alert, like. They're the like the Celtics are the ones driving the series right now. Yeah, yeah I agree. They're they have the best team, but Milwaukee still has the best player, right? Yep. And so that's where far. it's going to be. 
I just feel like it's a lot more predictable to actually like game plan against Milwaukee now because you're taking away with Chris Middleton on there. There's no more ISO threat in the mid range. So now it's either mm-hmm. we're going to shoot something on the perimeter or we're getting down in the paint. And so they've, they've done it before. Milwaukee has been stopped before. And the fact that you just game plan and, you know, clog the paint up as much as possible, except I think like one of the differences between the Giannis Antetokounmpo of today is that he's a lot more effective shooting wise or mm-hmm. uh, even, even his floaters from like uh, mid to close range. Um, has been really good. He had a couple today as well. I don't know. Celtics, they still got my vote. And Jason Tatum um, deserves a lot more respect than we give him. Um, why don't oh, yeah. I say the same uh, with Devin Booker? It's such a shame because I've always been a Donovan Mitchell's better than Devin Booker guy. But man, this year has been kind of, uh, I feel like, fraudulent making that claim now. Yeah. Um, I would agree. Devin Booker. Unfortunately. Devin Booker and Jason Tatum just have that, like, raw, like, just that gene of just, like, you're not better than me, right? And mm-hmm. they're they're more arrogant than Donovan, but maybe that's the difference. <laughs> I think I think for me, what separates Jason Tatum from, from both Devin Booker, because I would argue Jason Tatum is pretty – not significant. Is a lot better than Devin Booker. I'm just going to say it. I think he's significantly better. Mainly because he's, like, being... I think he's 6'9", and being so long at his position is such a huge thing. Like, you saw the way he guarded, like, Kevin Durant. Like, he's such a good defender. And he can, and he can score on all three levels. Like, and even though Giannis is the best player in the series, like, wow, Jason Tatum is, is quite... is really something. That's for yeah. sure. That's a, that's a hard sure. uh, best player in the series to make right there. <laughs> yeah. you, got, you got the uh, the MVP, the two-time MVP, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, here's a question that I want to ask you guys because I'm, I'm really curious about it. Who's the best player on Phoenix? Because <laughs> that, 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 that might be where the, the discussion is, right? <laughs> I, I think you're kind of – it's kind of similar to the – who's the best player on the jazz debate where I think Devin Booker is probably your, Oh, it's, most it's probably your best yeah. player, but Chris Paul is your most important player. Yeah. Does that make sense? Put. And that's, but that's the thing. If you're <laughs> the difference between a most talented or most important is, are you going to win without this player? Or are you going to lose without this player? That makes CP3 the best player on the team because they might lose without him type of thing. Yeah, I agree. Devin Booker can do a lot more than Chris Paul can do as far as talent goes. But, man, Chris Paul can control a team. It's crazy. Like, Devin Booker, here's the way you, this is the way you got to look at it. In the fourth quarter, (laughs) if you're playing the Suns and they only have Devin Booker, He's going to run a lot of ISO. He's going to do a lot of mid-range. He's going to do a lot of step-backs. He's going to try and get to the rim. It's a lot of him maybe coming off a pick, doing something. For Chris Paul, he's going to get guys their looks. He's, and he's also going to use the the gravity of DeAndre Ayton to get an open mid-ranger, right? Like yeah. they, do, they do different things. And I think Chris Paul, by himself – 
in that situation is given enough time is easier to play better than with Devin Booker. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, and that's the, that's the thing about Chris Paul too is if he if he doesn't find his guy's looks, he gets his own look and most likely hits that shot. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing about Chris Paul. He can do it all. Yep. I will say like obviously it's best that both of them are there because just they yes. both have so much gravity, but that's, you know, that's my piece. Yeah, I well, I, I think agree. it's I do, I do want to make it very well known though, like Devin Booker has taken a step up in oh, dist- for sure. distribution yeah. as well. It's not not just like in we always know he's been a very talented scorer, but I feel like this year he's made a huge jump in distribution and assists, right? He's making his team look better now too. So, I think he's taken a couple things from Chris Paul, but Oh, for sure. We all know that the Suns are successful cuz Chris Paul came. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, we know we know that. And so you look at you look at what the Thunder was before he was on the Suns, and then you look at the Suns now, yeah. now that he's on them, and compare the two teams. Easy. It's crazy. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't want to go on this too long, but you look at that <laughs> Thunder team that he was on, that he got them mm-hmm. to the playoffs and almost got a series win is yeah. bizarre. James Unreal. And Rockets. That Unreal. is so insane, dude. It's, it's crazy, man. I... Man, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of Chris Paul, and you guys know this. I'm a Chris Paul hater, but I can respect hey, him. I respect I, him, but I despise him, man. And like the only reason that I'm Love like sort Jones. of cheering the the Phoenix Suns is because I want Chris Paul to win a championship. Because, gosh dang it, he's one of the most disrespected and like underrated players of all time, and he he deserves a conversation up there and one of the greatest point guards of all time. You know what I mean? You got kid, you got Stockton, yeah. you got Magic. But who's talking about Chris in that conversation? It's because don't he needs, forget Isaiah Thomas. He needs, yeah. Yes, it. But he need he needs it's close. the conversation. It's close. All right. Um, anyway, good good chat <laughs> about that. I was I just feel like that's a really cool conversation to have, just to see what your opinions yeah. were. Last but not least, we have the, the game that's currently going on right now, and an interesting as hell series. Memphis and Golden State, who are currently playing in Game 4 in the third quarter as we speak. Um, has anything surprised you about this series besides the... Uh, How toxic <laughs> it is. The, chip, the oh, chippiness. it's terrible. I, I was not expecting that. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It, it's kind of fun, but also like, okay, come on. Like, let's not let, kill let's, each let's other Let's be grown-ups now. Um, no. what, what were your guys' thoughts on uh, Steve Kerr talking about the code uh after gary payton the second uh got hit which by the way oh yeah my heart. breaks my heart yeah that's sad to see. his story is oh. so cool and hopefully he can make it back if they're still in it and continue playing but that sucks yeah but Za- we all remember zaza against Kawhi leonard uh, right we no. all remember that yeah. he put his foot <laughs> In his landing yeah. area, that is a bad thing. But Steve Kerr oh, is in talking about that. Warriors are going to lose that series, where, too. Where is the yeah. accountability? Okay? Where is the accountability? Yeah, it, that's true. Like, did you guys think that Dylan Brooks should have been suspended for game three? Oh, I think he got lucky only getting suspended for one game, if I'm being honest. I agree. 
Uh, so like, it was so a pretty hard foul. What grants a, a suspension? That's that's my question, right? I think I, if I'm it's... of the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm of the camp that that was messed up, but I mm-hmm. also don't believe that Dylan Brooks was going into that saying like I'm going to murder this guy. You know what I mean? Like he was just trying to make a play, and it was too late. But the momentum carried, and he got into a really bad situation. I think he definitely deserved the ejection. That's a flagrant two any day. Yeah. But the suspension, I feel like that's where it kind of be, gets a little gray area, right? Well, and yeah. this is this is where you have the debate. Um, like, do you live by the letter of the law, or do you live by the letter of, or like by the flow of the game? You know, um, that nah, you just have to define it that way. Like within the realm of like what qualifies a suspension, did what Dylan Brooks do? Like, did what he do uh, qualify him? Yeah, it did. Um, is it, is he like morally a bad person for it? No, but it's just, it's, it's always been that debate. It's the same thing. Like with, in, within games, like there's probably, I don't know, an inordinate amount of carries that happen within a game, but the refs don't call all of them. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. I think for me, I, I, I get that. Like, I totally agree. Like no, virtually no player in the NBA that has committed a hard foul and foul and like that has made someone hurt ever like no one wants that no one does no. that on purpose no one goes right. and fouls hard to say oh i'm gonna fracture their wrist you know no one wants that yeah. and i doubt dylan brooks wanted that however people like him and and grayson allen for example Dude. like sometimes they they are just reckless and granted it's because they're playing hard and they want to get a stop to get it the other way. they I don't think they do it on purpose. But suspensions are important to try and teach those types of players that play really hard that it's good to play hard, but when you're reckless, it can really hurt someone. And that's why I, I don't think Dylan Brooks did it on purpose, but he was clearly reckless, and it was very dangerous. And I think the, dis- the suspension was warranted. Yes, yeah, I agree. So, so here, here's another question. Had Gary not gotten hurt, does he still get suspended? I think so. Yes. I think he should, but he probably doesn't. Oh, that's hard to say. I still I, think he does. Think about a situation, I believe it was with Clark and Draymond Green, where Draymond yanked uh, Clark's jersey. Oh, yeah. And just like flew mm-hmm. to the ground. What if Clark got hurt at that point? Would he that's have been a, suspended? Yeah. Right? Like, it kind of gets into uh, a situation where I feel like maybe the league is just doing suspensions off of injuries right that's not okay <laughs> like and you're right it's 100 percent not okay. Yeah. I, I just feel like there's like some gray right, area uh, there because yeah yeah maybe you know there's kind of been the meme that a lot of the memphis fans have been saying that it was actually a blessing <laughs> to be have Dylan brooks off on the team for a game yeah. <laughs> <laughs> since it was hugging up shots but that definitely we saw that, that did not help them one bit in game three no, right not at all um because he's a big he's a big culture guy on the team, you know. He's one of the older players, and I just think that really screwed Memphis uh, to have that suspension happen. But I just can't help but wonder, like, had Gary not gotten injured, would Dylan Brooks have played Game Three? Would John ja Morant not have gotten injured Boy. if that was the case? Right? I mean, it's all speculation. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, he's not playing this game today, and. Uh, Dylan Brooks only has uh, four points, and he's two of 13. Sure, 
Um, but in it, it's just interesting to think of like I think that that call to suspend him on game three could have totally changed the series going around. That might have swung it in Golden State's favor for them to win it. I'd even say they could do it in five or six, depending on John Moran's health, to be honest with you. Well, we got to get past game four first. Yeah. But, yeah. no, I agree. I think right now is a, is a statement game for Memphis, especially since they were arguably the best team of the second half of the season. Um I don't know. This is a make or break. Like you have, they they lost. They won a ton of games without John in the season, right? and they beat good teams without John. And th- this is just another one of those games. So if they can pull this one off, I still see the Grizzlies taking it. Um, I'm actually really surprised at how well Golden State's been the postseason, especially since they're kind of hit and miss towards the end of the regular season. Jordan has um, been unbelievable. Yeah, can we, Jordan. Can we just make him like a, a splash brother now. Like, I think he is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he already has been. Yeah, they've they've inducted him into the <laughs> yeah. Splash Brothers. I just wanted to be official. I want the merch. I want I want the the Jordan Pool Splash Brothers merch, man. Pool Splash. Yeah. I'll give it a bit. It'll happen. <laughs> uh, um, my question. I, I I kind of have a question for you guys. So, I am of the opinion that Warriors probably win the series, and even if Grizzlies win, they'll. I mean, my guess is they'll probably get beat pretty swiftly by the Suns, but who knows? My question is, are are if you're Memphis, do you, since the team is young, do you just keep running it back over and over? Or like, I don't know, my worry with them is kind of similar to the Jazz where they keep running it back and then there's like a game plan around them league-wide and then it's too late. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, I don't. I'll go. I'll go real quick. I think the Grizzlies are on the right track. Uh, they made the playoffs last year, won a game against the one seed. Mm-hmm. They got bounced in the second. They've already improved on that this season. They're the second round. They have the most improved player in John Morant, which yes, he he improved. Like no one's <laughs> denying that. But like they also have real most improved player in Desmond Bain. Yeah. Um, and they added Steven Adams, who's fit in quite nicely. Oh, I think they run it back another season. If it doesn't work next season, then you start thinking it. But for me, if I'm the Grizzlies, yeah. I keep it I keep it the same way this season. This offseason, see what happens. If there's more improvements like it was this one, then Yeah. I do want to be clear. I'm not I, – I don't want anyone to misconstrue what I'm saying. They for yeah. sure, like, have improved and gotten better, and they are way ahead of schedule. I just wanted to put the question out there just because I, I think it's an interesting topic, but yeah. yeah. So financially speaking, the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, most of their players are actually still on a two-year contract, uh, what they have mm-hmm. left. So there's not really – they can run it back next year, but the year after that, that's where Jaw's going to get his extension for his Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, ex- so someone's got to leave. Um. It, it just gets to a point where you think, like, at what point are they going to be able to afford all these players? Like, yeah. Um, like, they got Jaron Jackson Jr. for six years, uh, $9 million. Uh, Crazy. I think that's what? Nine, wow. Yeah. <laughs> $9 million for that's six years. That's wild. Um, that is cheap. 
So they, yeah, they got him cheap as hell. They got a Royce O'Neal contract over there. Um, but they got it better than Royce O'Neal. <laughs> yeah. And then Desmond Bain is still on a rookie contract. Um, yeah. But that's going to change a lot. I mean, a lot of these players are going to get paid in two years. So mm-hmm. I'd say next year you can definitely run it back with no risk. Um, but a lot of the questions will start coming around after two years. That's for sure. Yeah, I'd be interested yeah. to see how they how they do the first half of the season. Um, if it if it, I, I'm I wouldn't be surprised to see someone get some, at least one player get a con- contract extension, even though they're not on the on the you know their last year technically. Um, but if it doesn't work, I would not be surprised to see them go hard at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that would make them better is a veteran veteran forward. Yeah. Like someone who some just have experience. a really big like presence on the team, uh, to just be that locker room guy because they're all super young. But yeah, I almost have Steven. a feeling. I almost have a feeling that like in the situation that's going to happen uh, after this year is going to be similar to the Jazz, where they just have this incredible breakout season. They underperform in the playoffs for what they wanted, and then they come back the next year and then there's all these expectations well memphis now has to be this team right yeah got a really good coach. i think that's, that's the main reason why i asked this question is because i don't think they're underperformed at all even if they don't win another game in the postseason oh. i think they've played really well i think beating yeah. the timberwolves is a nice win getting two wins on this really good sun teams is really nice um but i think the expectations for them going into next year are going to be astronomical they're like they got the second seed yeah. and like they have been playing so well. They have the most improved player. Like it's, it's, I, I think that's why I asked this question is because I feel like those expectations are so high. And as a person who's been a fan of a team whose expectations are so high and they don't meet those <laughs> expectations, I'm inclined to ask those questions probably a little bit too early, <laughs> especially with the sense. youth how young a team is. And that's one of the things that I thought about Memphis that I told you guys as well, that I just don't feel like they're ready to make a really deep push in the playoffs because of their age. Like this is going to be great experience for them right now, but Mm -hmm. you know, how many times have we seen golden state in situations like this and just close it out. And then everybody's relatively healthy. Gary Payton is a huge loss though, which is going to make a lot of, headaches against the suns in the third round yeah um, that yeah devin booker with no gary payton is going to be terrifying <laughs> so hopefully clay thompson can you know get feeling better and guard that but it just seems tough it seems tough yeah. it seems like everybody has to go at full speed but so speaking of you know Memphis being a top seed, and if they want to exceed expectations, obviously they either need to maintain that second or go to the first seed. If the Suns win a ring, is Chris Paul done? How many years are left on his contract? Uh, I don't know about the contract, but I do know that he is like the only one, if there's very few left in that draft class that are still playing today. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I feel like it would be really hard to retire after winning a ring, knowing you could potentially win another one. Again, we don't know because this is the last year of DeAndre Ayton's contract, right? And they haven't I extended so. him yet. No. And if they don't extend him, that is 
they, that that make that's a significant difference. I don't they don't if they don't run it back, and they win a ring, that's that's wow. But I will say like, if I'm Chris Paul and I win a ring and there's potential to run it back with the same group and win another, I'd probably take it. Yeah. So he did say after the finals last season that he's not retiring anytime soon. But when a legacy player like that wins a ring, that always comes in question. Yeah. So here's the interesting part about that. Um, I think as far as like their biggest pieces on the team, so Devin Booker still has three years, so I've uh, two yeah. years left on his contract after this year. Chris Paul has mm-hmm. three years left on his contract after this year. Right. They signed a really right. big deal, which a lot of the Suns fans did not like. That's right. Age. Right. But you're you're getting at least two more Devin Booker years in Phoenix. And keep in mind that that includes Mikel Bridges, who still has four years left on his contract uh, after this year. And then Cam Johnson's still there next year, which I think are like their bigger pieces. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is the biggest question mark. But, you know, maybe the Suns trade for Rudy Gobert. And we get Chris Paul. Just saying. I don't have Rudy Gobert. Just saying. I'd, oh, I'd buy a Chris Paul jazz jersey in a heartbeat, man. I wouldn't buy a jersey. I'd be happy to have Chris Paul, but without Gobert. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, I want Chris yeah. Paul and Rudy Gobert. I don't want Chris Paul and Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> I, think I'd, uh, I think I'd cry if anyway, we gave him the Suns. Um, I, to answer that question, I think the Suns still have three good years as a yeah. team. And no, I agree. Keep in mind, they're, they're 2800000 under the tax line. So financially, they're wow. doing great. So they could still make some some big big moves. Um, it all depends, but that's still with DeAndre Ayton only having a twelve million dollar contract, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, if he gets extended, that's where they're going to be definitely seeing over See, tax lender. They're going to have to make some deductions and get rid of players. That's where I worry because it's no secret that rob sarver is one of the worst if not the worst owner in all of it, basketball he's so like has i don't know have they ever gone over the the tax since he's Probably owned not. it like i don't think so he's so cheap he is just a terrible owner he's so lucky that he has a good gm that happened to get this incredible team for him to make money but that's why i worry is is he cheap enough like is he so cheap that he doesn't give DeAndre Ayton a contract and they're like stuck without extremely important piece. Like if I'm a Suns fan, that's what I'm worried about. There's just not a lot of money you can push around. That's the, that's the problem is that everybody's like at a pretty, it's crazy. Okay. Mikel Bridges is making five mil over the course of five years. Okay. Chris Payne, six mil over three, Dario Saric, eight mil over two, Jay Crowder, nine mil over two. Like everybody is under 10 mil. And then you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker who are both making 30 mil, right? So yeah. if you get DeAndre Ayton, I don't think he qualifies for a max extension, right? Uh, but he no. he's probably going to be expecting somewhere along the lines of like what? Like 120, 120 mil? I would, yeah, probably like four years, 80 million, around that, like 20 I million. I don't know. I feel How like much is he now? He's at, he's at twelve, so he'd be having to make think, eight million more, which would put them four million over the tax line. They'd have to offload well, some players. Yeah, and that's the problem. You got to think about this too. Is resigning players isn't easy anymore. 
You gotta remember that Luke Kennard makes freaking fourteen million dollars a season. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's wild. Now just now just keep that in mind. Resigning players isn't easy anymore. Mm-mm. Oh man. Yo, that guy's really good for the Clippers, though. Let's be honest. Yeah, but not fourteen million. <laughs> It's because of the other teammates that they make the playoffs. He's not the reason they make the playoffs. Yeah, but you, you lose Luke Kennard, and who else is staying, right? they got to have some kind of floor, and Luke helps them get that floor. But That's fair. Um, okay. with, with the Phoenix Suns, it is a big question because I don't even know who would replace him. Like, if you lose... Uh, <laughs> JaVale McGee? Like, if you lose on. Aiden, like, who do you put in? That's a huge miss. Because if you're yeah. if you're not able to compete with size, like, who are you gonna get that's gonna give you like the same kind of effort, you know? Yeah, straight that, up. That's a if, very if you don't resign him. Yeah, straight up. If you don't resign him, you're not getting any like straight up. You're not getting anyone back that's as impactful in the mid range as he is, or someone who can defend like him. You're just not. There's no one on the market that you're gonna get back that's as, you know. Unless you make a As big impactful. trade. What if the Suns got Carl Anthony Towns? I don't think they have defense. I don't think Mikel Bridges is that good. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think a better trade would be for Bam Adebayo. And okay, Maya, but what are you, you giving know, up? He lacks size, and he lacks size with Bam. But he's what, what are you giving up? You're still getting the versatile, but the thing is Miami, they love trading for gritty players. Right, they could get Jay Crowder back. Mikel Bridges and Cameron Johnson are so like luxurious at this point. Cheap contracts that are under a year, where they can resign later, and you're getting really top tier talent, and you're getting to replace someone who is really versatile defensively, um, and who can switch. One of the best like switching uh, bigs in the game right now is Bam Adebayo. I think that's pretty unrealistic, personally. I, think I don't think true. I don't think Miami like that's probably their most untradeable player. I agree. Yeah, I absolutely agree. But you're getting DeAndre Ayton, especially since it. he's only on his he, he. This was his first year on a five year contract for the for the. For yeah, the that, I I I don't think they trade. Bam I don't think it happens. Then. I I just I I struggle too. to find who would be a good replacement. That's that's the thing. There, I, I straight up just don't think there is one. I don't think there's the one only one there. that the only one that could is is Rudy Gobert or Joel Embiid. That's it, <laughs> as far as defense goes. And you're not, I don't think they have the assets to unless they're willing to depart. They, they, with, they can't pay Rudy Gobert having like, Chris Paul and Devin Booker on the roster. No. I, yeah, I don't no. think there's just there's just no world they have to pay DeAndre Ayton. That's the only. It's more expensive to trade for Rudy than it is to keep DeAndre. Yeah, I think I think they're signing him. I think they're already planning on it right now. If they don't, I'd be they, they absolutely. The second the postseason's <clears> over, <throat> if I'm the owner, I go straight up, straight to DeAndre Ayton's agent with the contract ready to sign. Like here's his yeah. money. Just but then him, you don't give you, anything to negotiate. You offer the max. But do you it. do yep. that, and that's when you start losing all of your depth because now you can't pay players as much. Does that it's make okay. the sun significantly worse, though? Yeah, I, I don't you think it makes it significantly worse. I, what he adds defensively is, yeah, they already have him. They have to keep him. If they try to get someone else, they risk way more 
than losing a couple other players like from signing them. Then that might be a good chance for the Jazz to, because I, I see a potential fire sell on some of these bench players uh, going to be happening soon to open up cap space. I think if I'm the Suns, I'm okay with losing Cam Johnson. Not saying that he's not important to the team, but I <sighs> think he's the easiest one to lose. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to lose Bridges. I don't want to lose Bridges. Yeah, if you're if you're a Suns fan, you really hope that this postseason works out because this next offseason is if Robert Sarver isn't willing to pay out, your roster is a little bit in yeah. trouble. I think Crowder's gone. Guaranteed. And I think Payne is gone. We'll have to see. It's it's hard, man. They could get I yeah, Payne is Payne is he's expendable, I agree. Yeah. And he's got a bigger bigger contract than Bridges, which is nuts. They it's nuts. they re-sign Bridges at the most opportune time. They give him a, right. a fatty five year, five million dollar contract. And he's a defensive oh, player of the year candidate. So that's kind of a rip. Um good stuff though. I think this is a this is a really impactful uh, and probably one of the like the closest like oh, I guess my camera doesn't want to work anymore. One of the closest like second rounds I've ever seen, I think yeah. ever in my life. The Where right every team game made legitimately could be two and two, and so now all of the teams are pretty much going to be in a best of three scenario, which is crazy. So yeah, for sure. very exciting. Uh, I'm excited to see. I feel like this. I'm really excited to see the end of Celtics Bucks because I feel like that's the one that I really can't put a finger on it. Every other one, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of who's going to win, but Celtics Bucks is it, that's the that's the matchup to see for sure. Warriors are making their comeback right now. Yeah, this game is getting interesting. It is getting yep. interesting, and we're going to be watching it right now for sure. But guys, thank you so much for listening in. Um, tell us what you guys think about. You know, who's making it out of this second round and getting into the conference championships? Is Chris Paul better than Devin Booker? I guess we'll find out on the next episode of the Noted Podcast. Thanks, guys.